Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Yes, my son's fiance is coming into town. One of the things that we're concerned about is she has not been on any form of birth control. And um, they really are not planning on starting a family just yet. And so one of the things that I'd like to do is let her come in and maybe speak with you. My mom's on the phone with a gynecologist right now. I did not expect this at all. She can call whoever she wants to. She can talk to him. Is that going to change anything? No. She can't make Julia's decision for her. I just think that they need to be on some kind of birth control. You know, it is something that we'd rather see her go on sooner than later. It is just easier just to ignore this because nothing is going to come from it that I believe. I'm kind of just hoping it'll go away. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Cara Berry, 90 Day Fiance Edition. 90 Day, the OG of the 90 Day Fiance Universe is back. Season 8 pre- premiered on Sunday. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. We, they hit us. They hit us with some content in this first episode and I loved it. And I'm also worried that, you know, it's very iffy. You never really know how good a season of 90 Day Fiance is until you're like halfway through it. And sometimes not even until the very end. So it's hard to judge, but I did, I do have to say that it was a solid Episode one, we established all the characters. I feel like we got a good idea of where everybody's at. 
mentally and otherwise. <laughs> and I feel like if we're to judge by this first crop of cast members that we're seeing on this season, then I think there's a lot to look forward to. I really, really do. We start off the episode, Natalie of Natalie and Mike fame. She is crying. She is gathering her things. We're finding out that this is the day before she and Mike are supposed to get married. And now she's talking, blubbering, crying about how she's got to fly to Europe and then just figure out how to get home from there. She's worried about the coronavirus, but then she also says, a man who would do something like this to me doesn't love me. And I cannot wait to find out what that means. I have some very strong opinions about Mike. And I think I'm going to be vindicated. I really, really do. So then we get this whole, like a, you know, teaser of what's to come on this season of 90 Day Fiance. And twists, turns, drama, lust, all of the above. Not even worth getting into. Let's just get to, you know as my friend would say, the nut meat of the situation. (laughs) Uh, So let's start with, I think we're going to start with the couple that we got the least amount of, which I'm going to say is probably Mike and Natalie. I'm going to say Mike and Natalie. Y'all, here we go with Mike. Melted Blake Shelton is back in all his six foot seven glory. I did not appreciate this reintroduction to Mike because I thought he got off completely scot-free. I'm saying this at the very first episode, so y'all know how I feel about Mike, which is that he is a quintessential nice guy. And there's nothing more cursed in this world than a straight, cis, white man who thinks he is a nice guy. Those are the real domestic terrorists. Those are the real... You know, people that we really all need to keep our eye on. We all need to keep on our, our eye on a guy like Mike. Mike does this thing where he has figured out that he's so freakishly tall and that he has a cat, you know, and he bought the farm out from his family members and now he's got this 27 acre piece of property just a six foot seven tall man and his cat and Uncle Bojangles, the, you know, local ne'er-do-well of Squim, Washington, who he's taken under his thumb. And we're all like, oh, look at Mike. He's a great guy. But Mike is the type of guy, he's a sniper from the side. He has figured out that if he just speaks at a low volume, that people will think that he's nice because he's not yelling. That's a danger. And that's a menace to society. Okay. Granted, Natalie has her quirks. I'm not going to say that Natalie is a sweet Ukrainian angel, baby princess that needs taken care of. And that she's been a complete innocent and victim to this relationship. Not saying that at all. And what I am saying is that, Natalie is the one who speaks loudest, and that's why she gets judged for being the cuckoo one when Mike is just as messed up as she is, and I stand by that. So, we have to, you know, go through this recounting of how they met, they met through friends, and his friend had a Ukrainian 
woman that he met and they got married and that was a friend of Natalie's. So they were talking online for a year before he went to Ukraine to, you know, meet her. And then they got engaged. He gave her that hideous ring. And, you know, then we have to talk about all the not so great times. Like when Mike admitted to Natalie's friend that he's actually like a true believer in ancient alien behave culture I don't even know what you call it but you know those shows that you see on like the history channel the air at like you know three you know between like the one to four o'clock block on a Saturday afternoon all about you know how aliens built the pyramids he's that kind of guy he's that kind of guy Natalie's very religious it's very important to her she kind of said that it wasn't that important to her initially, and then she kind of went back on that and was like, I actually really would like for you to, you know, be a Christian. I worry about you and your soul, so you really need to think about this. <sighs> Do y'all remember Natalie's mom? <laughs> Natalie's mom, who was staying trying to get into their business and holding both of their hands and talking about how much she loved both of them, you know, didn't speak a lick of English, but was just like, I'm here and I want to hear the tea and I'm also going to make some tea. Do you guys want some tea? So we can all talk about your relationship. Like, since I'm very much the third <laughs> part of this relationship that you have between my daughter and yourself. Um, what a character. I hope we see more of her. So... I also totally forgot. Do you guys remember? First of all, she threw his engagement ring back into the luggage while he was packing to go to America. <laughs> well, she still had her jacket on. That was iconic. But the thing that I completely forgot about was at the tell-all for that season, Natalie comes out with a bombshell of like, I actually don't really trust you, Mike. And here's why. It's because you told me that you... We're um, going to be spending the night with your best lady friend the night before her wedding and her, you know, husband-to-be was supposed to be there, but somehow this guy didn't, the husband-to-be didn't show up that night, the night before their wedding. So he ended up spend, spending the night with this woman and that's why Natalie doesn't really trust him. Um, mm, mm-hmm. So... Things didn't end well with them. They hadn't really been communicating until recently. Things are getting, you know, they've, we've been having a lot of tough conversations. But we've also been, like, trying to work things out. So, thank God, you know, they've been talking and trying to work thing, through things. And fortunately, another thing, see, here's why Mike is a bad guy, is remember... They were having an issue getting a visa, and so he decided to blame Natalie and point the finger at her and say that she was the reason that she must have been trying to get an American guy before. She's going to do all these, like, shysty things, or maybe she did something illegal, and is that why the visa doesn't come, isn't coming through? Because it couldn't possibly be me. Because you're a whore. Remember that? So they still have not gotten their visa, until now. So just at the point where we get Mike 
telling us that he is so glad that the visa hasn't come through because once it does, it's going to be, their relationship is going to have to be moving at warp speed, 90 day fiance. Okay. So she FaceTimes him and is like, you know, I got my letters back from the consulate. The visa has gone through. It's been approved and I'm on a deadline. So I need to be there actually in America within the next 20 days. Those were the stipulations to me getting this visa. Mike is unhappy. He tells her he's happy, but then he does this like fucking one tree hill super drama about like, oh, you know, like I'm so excited and I'm so happy to see you, but gosh, with all the things that we've gone through, like, I just don't know. I really thought I had more time. When will there ever be enough time? You know, I just really don't know. And he's like, Again, doing the nice guy thing where he is being a little bit evasive and is like, yeah, I am excited. But then he's also making these faces like, I'd actually rather put my hand in a hot George Foreman grill than have you come to America right now. So he does this like breathy voiced thing. And he's like, Natalie, we really have a lot to figure out. You know, there's just like so much that we need to talk about. And then he says, he's not even ready to be married right now, but he's just going to throw caution to the wind and treat marriage like it's a Hail Mary pass that he's making and he just hopes that it works out. Great. (laughs) So our last scene with Mike, we see him first get a haircut. Since now at this point, Natalie has, is going to be arriving in four days. Mike is leading us to believe that he is has been getting his haircut regularly by the same professional for years now and not what is the clearly obvious truth which is that Mike goes to great clips like once every 19 to 22 months or so and then he tries to make up for it by just taking like a wet comb and you know some hair gel like some depth gel and like comb it back comb that hair right back comb your hair right back like I think how old is Mike like 36 I'm pretty sure he's in his 30s why he insists on having you know the hair of a retiree is beyond me He's got the haircut of somebody who wants to prove that, you know, his hair is still there. He might have a little bit of a widow's peak, but it's still for the most part holding strong, even though most of his hair is now gone gray. Who combs their hair back? Like, like, it's like 1980. I mean, I understand this is Squim, Washington, but surely they've moved up to at least 1998 at this point. I, and that jacket, we, somebody set that jacket on fire. I'm so tired of this man wearing the same zip up jacket that he wears inside the house, in the bed at night, outside the house, the jacket that he takes to run around Ukraine and pound beers. Like there's a 50 cent special going on because, you know, Auburn's about to play university of Florida. Let the jacket go. 
It is a dishwater grayish brown. You're always hiking the sleeves up. I hate that. You guys, that is one of my pet peeves about menswear. When guys wear like a button down shirt. And then they hike that sleeve up to where it's like a short sleeve length. So you got all that fabric just just pushed up, <laughs> pushed up your shirt. I don't like it. We don't need to be making sleeves. Just be hot. I'm sorry. You're just going to have to be warm. You, I, it's such a bad look. That's my thing. I really hate that look. So, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, you guys. Okay, so... Mike is telling Jane his hairstylist, like, you know, we have a lot of differences and, you know, like Natalie's really religious and she's vegan and like, I don't want to be vegan. Like, can't we just make a vegan meal and then I'll have a steak on the side? Like, I just don't want to do that. So basically what we're hearing is like, I have no interest in the things that Natalie is interested in. Now, granted, would I date somebody who wanted me to be vegan and it was going to be like a real deal breaker? No. Would I date somebody who was religious and really wanted me to convert to their religion? Probably not. But you know what? These are decisions that he's making. He's continuing to stay in a relationship that he has been pretty open about not really being that into. So... If you're going to make the decision to continue to be in a relationship with somebody, there are going to be times where that partner feels like it's perfectly reasonable to, you know, even suggest or bring to the table the fact that, you know, there are some situations and some um, philosophies and principles that I have as a human that I would like for us to be on the same page about. So you can't really judge her for being vegan. Because she thinks she's going to get married to you. And that's important to her. When you don't even want to see her. So maybe you should be honest. <laughs> about the fact that you don't really want to get married. And not act like the fact she's vegan. Is such like this moral quandary. That like you have to get over. Okay. I, I told you guys I had some strong feelings about Mike. And they're, they're coming out. They came out. They came out. Okay. Let's talk about the other couple that we have met before, Rebecca and Zied. Now, when we met Rebecca, she had, she was working part-time as a private investigator with her friend. And then she had another job that I think that they didn't really get into because, you know, once somebody says I'm a private investigator who like spies on people for a living, you know, it's like, there's no, you probably are not going up from there. You know, that's the thing that you want to talk about. So now we find Rebecca, 47, no, 49. She forgot how old she was, not me. She said 47, and then she was like, did I just say that wrong? I'm 49. So she's a manager of a place, an establishment, called Joella's Hot Chicken. I'm going to say I saw them serve a basket of, like, chicken and, like, chicken fingers and waffles, and, like, I wasn't mad at it. I'm going to say that. I was not mad about it. <laughs> Looked kind of fire. <laughs> Do people not know, like, how good the combination of chicken and waffles is? Like, a Belgian-style waffle? It, like, it's almost criminal. Like, it shouldn't taste that good, and yet it's amazing. Anyway. 
49 year old Rebecca is a manager at a chicken shop. Okay. She then takes us to get a tattoo with her that says, I am yours and you are mine in Arabic, or at least that's what Ziad told her it was. Apparently this is their, their mantra, their, um, you know, uh, go to quote as a couple. Okay. <sighs> Do we need to go down Rebecca and Ziad Lane where she had, you know, they had matching, um, women's size medium moto jackets that they would wear, um, that do we need to talk about the fact that Ziad looks like little critter, the Mercer Mayor character? Do we need to talk about how mm, Ziad's kind of speaks like a caveman? And I don't want people to think that I'm saying that because I don't know why they would think. I, I would hope you would not think that was a problematic term. He genuinely sounds like a caveman. Okay? I'm sorry. Um, most of what he says is, you're so sexy, I want to kiss you. And Rebecca thinks that that is the basis for what's a strong relationship. Uh, apparently. Rebecca is your classic... middle age midlife crisis woman she's got a lot of tattoos which i'm fine with but she's giving us like biker chick but has never been on a motorcycle it doesn't really make sense she's got that you know that red hair of a woman you know you know that that red hair of a woman who like is like I'm divorced, but I still got it. I got two grown kids, but like, I'm still going to go to the bar and get some man to hook up with me. Even if it's like, you know, the guy who works in HR who like fills me up in the bathroom real quick. Like I'm going to have it done. It's all happening for me. Um, you know, she met Ziad on Facebook. Like I said, she thinks that he's very charming and sexy Another great memory is that she used to do mild to moderate catfishing on Zed, in which she would very heavily filter and, like, abuse the blur tool in order to look like, you know, the baby filter that we have on Instagram now. Um, it, it, she made some choices. So then when we see Zed go to pick her up in Tunisia and he's wearing a shirt with her face on it, they're forced to ask, how do you feel about the woman who's before you now versus the woman who's on your shirt? <laughs> Ziad says, you know, she looks very different, but she's so much sexy to me. Okay. So they're fine. I am positive they have the like slowest, mushiest. <laughs> sex with each other there's just like a lot of sweat a lot of like just like this noise you know a lot of thwacking thwacking is if that's an a word um it's just it's like soft but it's also you know like Ziad is a kind of guy who puts his entire body weight on you when you're a missionary. 
I feel like, oh God, I I can barely breathe right now. He's the kind of guy who will like, (laughs) you know, like he'll put you like almost in a headlock. And so then you're in that weird position that's like semi headlock, but it's like all of your weight is on my, my torso right now. And you know, I've said too much. (laughs) I've said too much. Let's talk about Zed and Rebecca. So we get Rebecca. She is, you know, lighting her Walmart candle, making some ambiance in her kitchen. She's pouring a cup of coffee with a mug that says Z that has Zed's face on it and says, I love you so much with like four O's. I love you so much on the side of it. She had so much memorabilia with Zied. It was disturbing. So she decides to do a video chat with Zied. And then we get a little bit more history. History that I forgot. So what's happening with her and Zied right now is that Zied uh, applied. They've gone through the process for the K-1 visa. There's that last interview where they officially decide whether or not they're going to give you the visa or not. So we're days out from that interview and Rebecca's worried more for her because of herself and her past actions. So let's talk about that. She's worried that Zied might not get in because we're reminded that this is not Rebecca's first time at the rodeo, so to speak. She, years ago, after her first divorce, um, you know, had another interesting uh, series of ideas (laughs) in which she married a 20-year-old, I don't think she said specifically what country, but it was an Arab country. She had a 20-year-old that she met online. She had him come to America. He screwed her over, was just here for the green card, and then they broke up. So now she's worried that they're going to see that. She has a history of inviting men from Arab countries to America, and then will things work out or not? They won't, but I think they're going to be for a very different reason. I don't think that Zied really wants to live in America. Like, I think he's, like, cool with it and excited about it, but I don't think this is, like a dream that he would take so far as to like marry a woman that he's not in love with. Honestly, Zia doesn't seem all that smart. Neither is Rebecca though. So maybe that's working in his, to his advantage. <laughs> so, um, basically, yeah, she's worried about that. Zied's a little bit annoyed about the situation. He's like, what if your past ends up screwing me over? We hear a voice in the background of Zied and we find out it's um, Wiem, Zied's sister. Wiem had some opinions. She had some very strong opinions about uh, Zied and Rebecca's relationship. She wasn't here for it. She wasn't, does not approve, does not like it. She thinks Rebecca's too old, frankly. And she just thinks that all this whole situation is laughable. So Wiem sits down briefly. <laughs> real brief and is like hey how are you doing I'm doing fine thank you for stealing my brother gotta go bye by the way I hate you um, so Rebecca is like yeah I understand that Wiam hates me but <laughs> this is my last chance at love 
and I'm going to do whatever I have to do to make it work. Rebecca is like the ultimate single woman <laughs> like to where she thinks that being in a relationship is she's the ultimate divorcee to where being in a relationship is all that matters. This is the only thing that, you know, is meaningful in her life. She, 49 God forbid they're going to make you uh, push you off that clip like they did in Midsommar. Once you turn 50, Rebecca. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, spoiler alert. But um, yeah, the fact that she thinks that like this 27-year-old dude that after years of being in a relationship, they still can't really communicate outside of like, I love you, I want to kiss you, you're so sexy. The fact that she thinks that this is her last chance honey honey so then we see we end Rebecca's time on this episode with her going over to her daughter Tiffany's place Tiffany has a boyfriend named Micah that she lives with in an apartment so Rebecca tries to trick us by saying you know her apartment that she's living in her lease is about to go up and she's just been so busy with work that she hasn't been able to apartment hunt. So she's made the decision to move in Zied herself into Tiffany and Micah's apartment. And then just kind of a side note about like, oh, you know, it's also been really expensive. I've probably spent about fifteen to twenty thousand dollars trying to get the you know, on my relationship with Zied so far. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. So, you know, it'll be a good opportunity for me to save a little bit of money. Okay. You should have just said that rather than like, oh, my lease is up and I'm so busy at the chicken shack. But I couldn't possibly make time <laughs> to find another place. Girl, you're broke. Just say it. Just say it. Nobody thinks you're raking in the dough at Joella's hot chicken. So no judgments here, girl. Okay. Um, so Rebecca's talking to her daughter, Tiffany about it. And then 
Rebecca says, you know, I actually want to talk to you about something. You know, Zied's not feeling very comfortable about having Micah in the apartment. Like, he would really rather that we all, that I, that we lived on our own. But, yeah, I mean, Rebecca, that kind of seems like your responsibility since you're bringing him over to the country to provide him with adequate housing. Um, so now Zied is feeling some type of way because Micah... God forbid, might see Rebecca in her pajamas and he doesn't feel right about that. That's not, you know, part of his culture. He does not approve. Okay. But why is Rebecca telling her daughter and Micah that you're moving into their house? So do you expect Micah to move out of his apartment for Zied? Zied, who's not going to be able to financially contribute to anybody's anything until he gets married to you? Like, what are you accomplishing by telling your daughter that? Don't move in then, if he has such a problem. Why is it on them? So, Rebecca's like trying to take up for Zied, but also throw a little shade towards Micah. And she says, you know, Micah comes out. And Tiffany is like, this is what my mom just told me. And Micah's like, well, he's going to have to get used to, Zied is going to have to get used to American life and culture. And he's going to have to get over it. And he, he's not going to play like Johnny Big Dick because you're going to walk around in your pajamas. Like, I'm not interested in you. You're my girlfriend's mom. So if he can't handle that, he's going to have to be able to handle it because he really doesn't have a choice. Somehow... Rebecca thinks that um, Micah's like a caveman. So you just let it come out of your mouth that your fiance doesn't even want another man in the in the house because a- another unmarried man in the house because he might see you in your pajamas. And yet Micah's the caveman for inviting this man into his home to live with him. You see how things aren't adding up for me on that one, Rebecca? Not making sense. Micah is a country boy. He's got a country accent that I'm sure I'll be using and talking and using for impressions over the course of the season. Micah's like, you know what? Uh, Zed needs to catch on and he needs to catch on quick. Okay. And if he doesn't, there might be an issue. Period. <laughs> now listen, I don't condone fighting, but I feel like Mike is being pretty welcoming to this man. And Zied is in zero position to be making any demands of anybody because he's living there for free. So... <laughs> don't know what to tell you, Rebecca. I think Rebecca is the kind of person who makes a lot of bad choices. And thinks that everybody's still thinking that she makes good choices. And so it's like a constant run up that hill to try and keep all the pieces together to make it seem like she's making any sort of sense at all. She's a 49-year-old woman working at a hot chicken shack, moving in with her daughter and her boyfriend. 
and marrying a guy that you really can't have a full conversation with. Now, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on to one of our two new couples that we met. I'm going to start with Jovi and Yara. From the first moment that I heard the name Jovi, and then I found out that that was the American and not the foreign, I thought, oh, here go hell come. This man is about to be a disaster. Why would you name your child Jovi? (laughs) I think as an American, we all know why somebody might be named Jovi. Somebody who's, you know, in their 30s might be named Jovi. This guy, Jovi's from New Orleans. Our first about 20 seconds, we see Jovi packing up a red duffel bag, putting it on his counter, kitchen counter, opening the refrigerator, lamenting the fact that he only has two beers left. Chugs one of those beers, puts the other one in the duffel bag, and runs out the door. Then Jovi says, maybe some people would say that I party too much. (sighs) Jovi kind of looks like Joey McIntyre if Joey McIntyre got into like stealing electronics at Best Buy. You know what I mean? Jovi works in some kind of like underwater whatever the fuck. I forgot what the other word was, but apparently he makes good money. He lives in an apartment that was by all accounts pretty decent. A modern, you know, your standard new build apartment. It looked like every other apartment like that. Um, and he also has quite a, not flexible, but fairly open schedule in that he works for a month and then he's off for a month. And Jovi has taken this opportunity shockingly because Jovi really looks like a guy who, um, you know, probably got kicked out of his frat for some sort of poor behavior towards women. I'll just say that. He has decided to use his schedule to his advantage and travel. So when he's not, when he's off work for that month, he usually will take a month and hop to one from one country to the next. That apparently has taught Jovi to have an open mind, an open heart. Um, he's learned so much about different cultures. He's, you know, not the Jovi from New Orleans on the the alligator boat that we see later. So he says, you know, because of my schedule, I'm usually traveling by myself. So one day I decided to get an app for travelers and that led him to find Yara. Yara from Kiev, Ukraine. Jovi says Yara's hot and she likes a scuba dive. So that's all it took for me to decide to meet up with her in Budapest. 
So he just thought that that was going to be like a two day hit it and quit it. I'm just going to get banged out by this. I'm going to let this, you know, Ukrainian woman bang me out and then I'm going to move on with my life. But no, he actually met his wife. Isn't that a love story for the ages? Uh, Yara is very girly. She loves a fashion label. She's like Mary Cosby from, you know, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Loves her shoes. Loves a bag. And she likes nice things. But Jovi is just a simple guy from the bayou, okay? Just a simple, good old boy from the bayou. They traveled the world together when he was off work. And what do you know? Yara got knocked up. He was Jovi. As soon as he found out that she was knocked up, was convinced that Yara had done this on purpose in order to get a green card for America. Another another step in our true love story. I hope this is one, you know, down the line you can tell the grandkids. So unfortunately, okay, so sorry, let me go back. First, he was convinced that she got pregnant on purpose for a green card. And then he thought, fuck it. I'm going to propose to her in some sort of like scuba diving tank in the middle of Cuba underwater in our wetsuits. There's a picture of it. So they're engaged, you know, the love beaming off of them of two people that are only doing this because she's pregnant. Unfortunately, Yara did miscarry and lose the baby, but Jovi was like, Hey, Maybe I should just kick rocks now. I don't have to marry her now that the baby's not in the picture. So maybe I shouldn't. But he decided to stick with it. Nothing says a healthy relationship. Like I thought you were trying to trap me with a baby. And when you miscarried, my first thought was I can just break up with you. Right? We find out, surprisingly, Jovi is kind of a mama's boy, and the mama does not like Yara. She thinks, you know, like, I just never imagined Jovi would marry a foreigner. I just I kind of thought that he would end up with, like, a like a little southern girl. So, you know, I just kind of thought that maybe he would end up with somebody who doesn't mind that he wears, you know, camo jumpsuits with hoodies underneath them. Just a simple life for Jovi. <laughs> My boy Jovi. So Jovi asks his mom, like, what is, what does she think about, you know, him being with a girl from Ukraine? But she's like, oh, you know what I think? Because mama has done her Googles. She knows all about the alleged, you know, um, bad, poor reputation that Ukrainian women have for wanting to scam their way into America. And to do, like, the whole, like, you know, uh, bride, catalog bride thing. What do you call that? Mail order bride. <laughs> you would think that word would come, that phrase would come quicker to me. And yet it didn't. Um, yeah. She thinks that this thing might be a, a racket. She does not trust Yara at all. Another issue is that, remember when I was talking about his work schedule being one month on, one month off? There, um relationship is going to be gone into like operation warp speed because 
she's going to get there to America. Yara's going to get there. They're going to spend two blissful weeks with each other. And then Jovi's got to go to work for four weeks. And so at that point, once he gets back, then they're going to get married. So we're talking the first six weeks of their relationship. It's basically going to be like them getting into little fights with each other because they're just getting used to each other. And then them getting in fights because they're away. Because Jovi's out on work and, you know, uh, I don't trust you. You don't trust me. I'm sure that's what we're going to see out of them. This is a true nightmare, you guys. <laughs> this is a true nightmare. So our next scene with Jovi, he goes to visit his friend Klein. Klein has a girlfriend named Sarah. And they have a newborn baby together named London. Sarah and Klein do not think this is normal. Sarah's like, this whole thing is bizarre. Honestly, I can't believe Jovi out of all people, Jovi, who is basically like the fuckboy of our group, who could never land a girl in his life. I'm genuinely surprised that he has now found a lady from overseas who actually wants to marry him. Like Jovi. Jovi, of all people. (laughs) So Sarah and Klein are trying to talk to Jovi, and it's truly like teleport me back to every you know scene in the first 12 minutes of a 16 and pregnant in which the baby daddy's going to hang out with his friends and his friends are trying to talk some kind of sense into him by saying like you know your life is going to be completely different like we know that you like to party and go out and you're not going to be able to just like pick up the phone and go out whenever people call you and you know that's not going to be your life anymore your life is really about to change and Jovi's just like no it's gonna be fine like my life isn't going to change that much like this baby isn't going to bother us I know they don't have a baby in this situation but he's acting like his his uh, way of life and his way of living partying hard and puking on bourbon street every other day is not going to be changed by the fact that he has brought this woman over to marry him <sighs> Jovi Jovi then says that he is used to being free and that he might drink a little bit. And you know who drinks a lot? The people who are always saying, like, I may drink a lot. Or people might say that I party a lot. Like, no, they definitely say that. You don't, there's no might about it. They definitely say that. If they might say it, then they did. And they are. And you've heard it before. Probably, you know, there have been several interventions on your behalf Jovi I am feel very confident that that's the case I really do Jovi needs help you guys <laughs> Jovi needs help um so then we see a next scene of Jovi going to the florist on his way to the airport he is going to the florist because <laughs> because Yara told him that if he didn't bring flowers to the airport, then he may as well just not show up at all. (laughs) He might as well just forget it. So then he shows up at the airport. He's like, you know, classic 90 day scene in which somebody's going down the escalator and their betrothed is waiting at the bottom, except for Jovi's dumbass is truly waiting at the exact bottom of the escalator. You know, the part that you really have to like quickly hop off of. Otherwise it's going to be like, chaos and a whirlwind of trouble for you um yeah so he's standing on that and she's like can you back up <laughs> like, like i'd like to not get my heel stuck like darcy okay so 
the producers are like, oh my gosh, you know, they have the big moment of, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's you, I can't believe I'm here, blah, blah, blah. So then they stand them aside and ask, producers are asking them, like, how do you feel? How do you feel about Yara coming to America? Yara, how do you feel about being here? Joey's like, I'm stoked. I'm really excited. And Yara's like, you know, I feel like I was just on a 30-hour flight, so I feel very tired, and I feel like I want to take a shower. That's how I feel. And, like, while we're talking about this 30-hour flight, Jovi, um, is there a reason why I had to be on a plane for 30 hours? Is it because you like to be economic? Is that why? You like to keep your money? And that's why I had to be on a flight for more than a day? Jovi, is that why? So, then this was so funny. This was our indication that this relationship is going to be a hot mess from beginning to end. They get Yara in her first sit-down interview. And the producer behind the camera is like, do you love, what do you love about Jovi? And she was like, um, I don't, I don't know. Um, he has a good body or he, not now he used to definitely not now, but he used to, you know, of course I love Joey. I mean, I feel like I love him. I miss him sometimes. And I was thinking, you know, like on the way here that nothing is easy because nothing with Jovi is easy. Like it's never perfect. It's never happy. So that's, that's my answer. (laughs) Wow, you guys. Wow. Sounds bad. Jovi wants to fucking rage. He, they have not even left the airport and he's like, I can't wait to take you out to Bourbon Street tonight. We're going to fucking party. I'm going to, you know, get you one of those like yards yard pieces of plastic yard tall pieces of plastic that they put like hurricanes in some kind of frozen drink like we're gonna fucking send it down on bourbon street tonight like she's like i would like to take a shower and rest so i'm going to take a shower and rest and now jovi is like upset he's annoyed because he had had these big fantasies in his mind of whisking his beloved off of a 30-hour flight and expecting her to want to fucking pound beers with you that same night why (laughs) this is a man who is completely went over his head oh lord Oh Lord, this is this relationship. I don't know how Joe, how old Jovi is, but my guess is that he's got the mentality of like a nineteen-year-old boy, and that's what's going to be the issue. Let's move on to our last couple, Brandon and Julia. <clears throat> we actually started off the episode with Brandon. He is just a simple, plain-looking man from Dinwiddie, Virginia. And he works as, I don't know what term he used for it, but he's an exterminator. Let's just simplify it. 
His parents have a farm and they run a dog breeding kennel. So he's hoping to take over the farm and the kennel breeding dogs, you know, as soon as he's able to. I believe Brandon is 27. They all live on the farm together. Brandon, Ron and Betty, his mom and dad, dad and mom. Ron and Betty are fans of pastel colors. Ron and Betty are, you know, just two people that live on a farm that you would expect. Betty is not a stranger to a perm and like a, you know, the kind of perms that I'm comfortable with because I, you know, spent the first eight years of my life in Illinois in the late eighties to early nineties. So like this idea of like a tight, close to the nape of your neck could almost be a mullet, but it's a bit more efficient. It's just a helmet of curls that either do or don't come naturally. And there's like a very short cut that it's like, is this a bang or did I fall asleep in some sort of like, you know, razor, electric razor accident when I was on too many quaaludes the night before it, it's a look, it's a very distinct look. And Betty is rocking that look still, still today. (laughs) So they're very close. You know, he basically listens to Betty. Betty's a ringleader. That is very clear. Ron is, you know, one of those guys who's like, you know, happy wife, happy life. I gave up about 20 years ago. I do not want to fight with this woman anymore. So she runs the show and I just show up at the dinner table with what is inevitably another night of like canned corn, you know, pureed whipped mashed potatoes and a pork chop. I've given up. Okay. This is the dynamic that we're introduced to. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. So Brandon says, you know, like I looked at my parents' relationship and I really want what they have, but I was a bit of a late bloomer to the point where my parents signed me up for, I'm assuming farmersonly.com. He said a far, a, a farmer related dating app. Thank God he did not have to use it. He was trolling the internet in his own right And he met a Russian beauty queen slash bodybuilder named Julia. 
Now, Julia's already a double threat, as I just told you, but she's actually a triple threat, y'all. She has a passion for go-go dancing. And not so much the beauty queen pageantry bodybuilding realm forums that she found herself in now. So they met over a video chat that he had with a friend. And he says, six hours later, I messaged Julia and told her that I thought she was my wife. Okay. Okay. Julia was supposed to come on a visitor's visa, but she made the mistake of telling the consulate that she was actually going to visit her boyfriend. So they're like, Oh, that's not a reason for a visitor's visa. You actually need to come now on the K one visa. This was very shortly into their relationship. So Brandon was like, you know what? Fuck it. Um, let's meet up in Iceland and I'll propose to you. Even though we've only met one time in the five months that we've been speaking to one another. They made it more official by going on another trip with their families. They all met up in France. And now we find ourselves after six months of waiting for the K-1 visa to go through. It has. Julia's on her way to America. You guys? (laughs) In classic 90-day fashion, Brandon's parents... Brandon's parents do not think that Julia has his best interests in mind. And that she might just want to be to America for a green card. But Brandon says, no, you, what you guys don't understand is that I explained to Julia that I'm not a rich man. And I think it was obvious based on what he said, that he's told her he's not a rich man in the way that every other guy except for Michael, from Michael and Juliana, have told the women that are coming to America on 90 Day Fiance. He told her, like... Things like, oh, I'm just like a simple guy or, you know, he has been bankrolling her, which we find out is the case. And she has no reason to think that he might not have money because he's giving her money. And so he is not telling her the whole truth. In some occasions, he's not telling her any version of the truth. In the hopes that, like many men before him, she's just going to get to America and she's going to be so grateful to be here that she'll, you know, not even care about the fact that he's far more, far less financially stable than he led her to believe all of this time. He, I guarantee you, has been texting and calling her and FaceTiming her and saying, like, I'm going to take care of you. You're not going to have to worry about a thing. You know, I got you. I'll got by your clothes. We'll get you all new clothes. You know, we're going to have this great place, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm just a simple guy, though. And that's how he tells her that he's actually poor. Okay? So... He also says, you know, I, um, you know, I think that Julia maybe doesn't fully understand what I was saying when I said that I was, you know, low key in a bad financial state. Um, but that's okay because she can move in with me and my mom and dad at the, at the farm. So Brandon calls Julia. He hits her on FaceTime video chat And she's like, oh, I have all these clothes. I don't know how I'm going to pack. Like, basically, all the things that you've gotten me, all the gifts that you've given me, I'm not going to be able to pack because I need to make 
space for clothes. How am I going to bring all these jackets? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, you know, don't worry. Don't worry about that at all. Like, I'll just buy you all new stuff when you get here. But you're saying this, Brandon, that um, you're still living with your parents. And then we find out that he's broke because he spent almost $10,000 on on Julia in the over the course of the past seven months from the vacations that he's taken her on to supporting her because she doesn't have a job. Julia clearly does not have any idea of the extent to which she's going to be having to live with her in-laws, basically. So the first, one of the first things she says is, oh, we're only going to be staying with your parents for a short while, right? Because I really don't want to, like, share a house with your mom and dad. And he's like, yeah, 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 no problem. Like, you know, it, it'll just be a short time. Okay. 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 Okay, Brandon. Okay. Okay. So, <clears throat> Brandon's mom, Betty, is concerned about Julia's passion for go-go dancing and she's like, you know what, I, you know, people in America are really going to think that she's like a prostitute. So I just think that it'll be better if she decides to go on the farm and work as a farmhand for us. <laughs> Julia, who has been, who is Brandon's, by Brandon's account, has said that she is basically a city girl. She's not trying to live the lifestyle that he grew up into. This is not the life that she is accustomed to, nor is it the life that she's trying to transition to. So, yeah. Betty, I can't wait for you to tell this girl that she's going to be a farmhand. (laughs) Then Brandon is like, well, you know what? Worst case scenario. Um... Julia just hates everything and doesn't want to live with my parents. Yeah, it is. Because what are you going to do? Because you just admitted that you were a broke bitch. And can't do anything when she's upset about this. (laughs) Oh, Lord. So a producer asked Brandon, do you think that you guys are compatible? And he's like, you know what? I don't know. But I know that I want to be with her. And by that, of course, he means, like, this is the hottest chick I've ever landed. I'm not trying to fumble that ball. I'm doing everything I can (laughs) to keep this going. And so even though this is probably a bad decision and everything in my body and every, you know, instinct that I might have is telling me not to do this, I'm going to keep doing it. I'm just going to rock this until the wheels fall (laughs) off. Good Lord. So then we find out, okay, so they're from Dinwiddie, you know, a suburb area of DC. So she, Julia is going to land in DC. They're going to, they were going to spend the weekend there and then go. Also, you guys, it's worth mentioning that Brandon has not told Julia, not only are they going to be living with his parents for a while, but also that his parents are so conservative he does not want they don't want him to share a room with julia so she's got her own separate room and a house that she doesn't want to live with any live in anyway can't even fuck her man that she's moved all the way over from this is going to be great brandon does not want to tell her even though his father is like i really think that it's important that you tell julia this before she comes here 
do you really, son, do you really think it's a good idea to just have her arrive in America and then find out that you guys aren't sharing a room? Because it doesn't sound like a good idea to me. And Brandon's like, well, I just, I don't want to tell her because, like, what if she changes her mind about coming? And it's like, well, if that's the thing that makes her change her mind about being in a relationship with you, then it kind of seems like something you should tell her before she hops on this international flight, sir. Dummy. (laughs) So then we find out Betty, Brandon's mom, is... Um, either an extreme stan of the D.C. area or a lady who really needs to mind her own business. It's probably a little from column A and column B. But uh, basically what happened is that Brandon told his parents, I'm going to be picking up Julia in D.C. Betty was like, oh, I want to come. Can I come? I would really like to go. What if I decided to pay for your flight? there and your hotel and you guys can share a room during the hotel and I'll just pay for the weekend that way I can go because I'm really excited about seeing Julia this woman that I don't trust and think is only here for a green card I'm so excited that I'm going to bankroll the entire trip to you to come pick her up does that make sense to you guys (laughs) because it doesn't make a lick of sense to me um Then we find out some interesting, (laughs) or we'll say information. So Betty wants to know, what is your plan for having safe sex? And Brandon's like, whatever do you mean, mama? That's not happening. Julia loves to get nutted in. And so basically we're not, not trying to have a kid. Just letting you know. Why is it weird? Why are you crying, mom? Mom, did you just faint? Mom, are you okay? (laughs) I'm just kidding. She didn't faint. But it's just like... (laughs) Like... What did you think you were going to say to a woman who still buys white rain by the crate? Did you think she was going to react well to finding out that you've been... Raw dogging this woman <laughs> with no real thought to what the consequences of that could be. Julia doesn't like to put substances in her body, and so that's why she doesn't want to go on birth control. And the producer asks a very fair question of Brandon Why don't you guys just wear condoms? Do you have an issue with condoms? And what's wrong with them? He's like, Well, nothing's wrong with condoms, but they don't feel as good when you wear them. Brandon, you're lying to your girl about the fact that you can't afford to move out of your house. And yet you're just spraying and praying with no real thought to the fact that she could get pregnant very easily. I think he's not even pulling out, y'all. He's not even giving a chance at hell by pulling out... Brandon, oh, oh no, oh no. So now they're headed to D.C. Brandon's mom, Betty, could not be more excited. She, you know, the extra hold hairspray is on that helmet of hers. On the way, 
she gets a call from her doctor. And then she proceeds to go into a, um, a speakerphone conversation, spilling all the tea about how the fact that his her son's girlfriend likes to get nutted in. And you know what? I just think that it's better that we nip this in the bud before things get too crazy, shall we say. And so, you know, I think that I would like to make an appointment for Julia so that we can discuss options for birth control. <laughs> Brandon has completely shut down. Like putting a cat in a costume. Putting a sweater on a cat. You know, that point where they're just like, they just go limp. And you know, like if, if a dog does something bad and they just stand there. Like if I just am very still, um, people won't pay attention to me and they won't think that I did a bad thing. So Brandon is now completely disassociated from this conversation. Even though she is fully having it on speakerphone, there's no way he can't hear her. Um, he's like, you know what? My mom has her opinions. I know for a fact that Julia is not going to respond well to this, but I'm not even going to have the conversation. So as soon as Betty gets off the phone, she's like, well, that was great. I think that's great. I think this is a really good idea. I'm feeling very strong about my, my decisions. And I just think that like, I just had a very good call. This is great. I feel so much better now. Like, Julie is a grown-ass woman. If she doesn't want to go to the doctor, you can't make her. I know that this is, like, wherever the fuck Virginia, but, like, you can't forcibly um, take an adult to the doctor and guilt them into taking birth control. That's not how this is going to work, Betty, but I'm going to let you find out. And hopefully we all see everything that happens from you thinking that this is going to be a good idea. <laughs> so... Then Betty's like, you know what? I really hope that Julia's in a good mood. You know, because sometimes when people travel, they're like, you know, they're like a little, you know, not in a great mood. They might have jet lag. They might be a little grumpy. And Brandon's like, yeah, I hope that she is not like she was in France. And then he tells us just a little short story about how um, Julia has a little bit of a temper. And apparently there was an episode that happened in France in front of her parents and his that make Betty and Ron very uncomfortable. And so we're coming at it from all sides with this, with this, uh, cast. Um, they're afraid of her. They are skeptical that she's coming to America for the right reasons. They think she's a whore and a prostitute. And they also are afraid of her and her temper. So <laughs> I think this is a combination that we have not yet seen. Usually all of the couples are some combination of everything that I just said. I can't remember a time in which we've hit every single one of the issues that happened in 90 Day Fiance all in one, one couple. Cannot wait, you guys. I'm excited. I've got a little bit more pep in my step starting at the beginning of a new 90 Day day. So I hope you guys are along on this journey with me. I hope you're as excited as I am. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, I would really appreciate it and love if you did. Um, thank me for speaking. Love you. Bye.